Normally, I would, I would read a text and begin to preach from that text. This morning going to be a little bit different, but I want to minister a message that I have entitled, Revealing the Character of Christ from the Cross. Revealing the Character of Christ from the Cross. And I'm going to ask if you will bow your heads this morning and we'll pray. And I promise you we will get to some scripture in this message. But we're going to open with prayer. And I ask you to bow your heads and pray the Lord will enable me today. Father, what a privilege that it is this morning to be able to come into the house of God and to be able to gather in the presence of the Holy Spirit with your people to exalt and honor you and Lord, we have sensed your wonderful spirit. We have been touched already as we have worshiped and as we have praised and as we have sang, we have felt you in our presence this morning, Lord. We come to the expounding of the word of the living God and I, I readily admit, as I always do, Lord, in my own self, I, I am not capable of this feat I, I ask that you would give me liberty, that you would, I feel it right there, Lord, thank you. I pray that you would anoint me to speak as an instrument in your hand. That you would use me as a vessel, as an instrument to impart understanding, wisdom, and knowledge, and Bring us closer together to Christ, and we will thank you for that. We will give you the praise for it. We ask it this morning in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus, and everyone in agreement said amen. amen. Now, I'm going to readily tell you right now this morning, you know, when, whenever I stand in the pulpit, I always pray the Lord will enable me and because of, a, of my, Jesus said it, he said, you can't, of your own self, you can't do anything. How many of you have found that to be true? But I'm going to tell you what, when the anointing comes, it's tangible. You can feel it. You can sense it. Amen. And when he just kind of drops that little mantle, that little anointing thing right on top of you, you know what I mean? I'm telling you what, it just gets on the inside and you feel like you're as bold as a lion. Amen. I'm not one to just shoot the breeze, but I'm telling you what, when the anointing of God comes and the spirit of the Lord puts something in your heart to say, I don't mind saying it. Amen. This morning, I want to begin by just saying that there is something to be said for the final words of a dying man. The last words of a man or a woman that knows that they are about to leave this life and step into eternity can reveal to us a great deal about them and a great deal concerning their character, the kind of person that they are. Uh, when I was putting this message together, I just did a quick Google search about famous last words. And, and you can bring, if you do that kind of a search, you can bring up all kinds of examples of individuals that spoke the last words that they spoke. Let me give you just a couple of examples this morning. Gospel and blues singer Bessie Smith died. And this is what she said as she passed from this life into eternity. She said, I'm going, but I am going in the name of the Lord. Amen. What does that reveal to us about her character? I don't know about you, but it reveals to me that she was ready to go home. Entrepreneur P.T. Barnum died in 1891, and his last words to those that were around him was, how much were the receipts at Madison Square Garden today? Now, I don't want to be critical, but it sounds to me like he was very obsessed with money. Winston Churchill died on January the 24th, 1965, and he is recorded as saying when he left this life, I am bored with it all. 
Actress Joan Crawford yelled at her housekeeper who was praying for her as she lay dying. And this was her final words. Don't you dare ask God to help me. What does that reveal to us about her character? I submit to you this morning that it sounds to me like she was a very bitter woman who did not reverence the Lord. (laughs) Oscar Wilde died November the 30th, 1900, and his final words, I love it, either the wallpaper goes or I do. What does that reveal to us? It sounds to me like the man kept his sense of humor right up to the last minute. According to Steve Jobs' sister, Mona, the founder of Apple products, his last words were simply, Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Now, how many of you know Steve Jobs was a pretty creative guy, but it sounds to me like his eyes got open to a whole other reality. Amen? His, his final words reveal something to us about what he saw, what he was experiencing. I remember as just a young man, my family gathered around my grandfather's bed. And I can remember his final words as we were gathered there around his bed. And I was just in my teens. I was just a young man. But I remember him saying, don't you hear that beautiful music? Oh, my. Can you? And he asked his wife, my grandmother, he said, Daisy, can you hear it? And then all of a sudden, he said, I've got to go now. The angels of God are here to take me home. And that was it. Houston called me just a few weeks ago, and he uh, asked me, he said, Dad, I have been asked to do a funeral for one of uh, my supervisors. Her her mother-in-law has passed away. Houston had never done a funeral to that point and he called me for a bit of advice and said dad exactly what do you recommend and what should I do and I said well I think the first thing you need to do is find out whether or not she was a believer and he said well the family has already told me this story this woman was raised in a Pentecostal home But as she grew up, she got away from the Lord and went and was doing her own thing and really didn't live for the Lord. But when it come time for her to leave this world, the family said that she was terrified of death. She was literally petrified of death. Amen. But before she passed away, she had reconnected with the Lord and made things right with God and made peace with God and given her heart back to the Lord. And the family told my son there on her deathbed, all of a sudden, she said, oh my, oh my, please tell my sister, you don't have anything to be afraid of. I see Jesus. Mm. I don't know about you, but what a wonderful truth to pass on to your family. What a wonderful legacy to leave behind, knowing that she was ready to meet the Lord. Beloved, let me just tell you something this morning. That last words can have a lasting effect. Last words can have a lasting effect. And there are many that have recorded their last and their final words. But this morning, there is one man that stands out in history. And his last words tell us a great deal about him. And they tell us a great deal about how we should live. 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus of Nazareth hung on an old rugged cross. And there he died for the 
the sins of the world. And there he uttered seven phrases that not only bring a revelation about who he was, but I believe that they bring a revelation to our lives about who and how we should live. Mm. This morning, I want you to consider with me the seven phrases that Jesus spoke from the cross. And what do they reveal about the man? And how should they impact our heart? Do you believe this morning that Jesus could be teaching even when he was on the cross? Do you believe that what Jesus said was important even when he was on the cross? I want you to understand this morning as we begin to look into these seven phrases that they speak to us and reveal to us something about the character of our Savior. Number one, and you can turn to Luke's gospel, chapter 23. Luke chapter 23 and verse number 33. The first thing that is revealed from the words of the cross is that Jesus was a man of forgiveness. Jesus was a man of forgiveness. Luke chapter 23 and verse number 33, and this is what the scripture tells us. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male factors or the thieves, one on the right and the other on the left. And this is what Jesus said. He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. What does it reveal to us about Christ? It reveals to us that Jesus was the same in death even as he was in life. Amen. He came to give and came to distribute and came to love and came to give forgiveness. He lived a life of forgiveness and he taught us that we should live after his example. Let me give you some scripture to back that point up. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 27. The Bible said, Jesus said unto them, Amen, I say unto you which hear, love your enemies and do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 37. Jesus said, judge not and you shall shall not be judged condemn not and you shall not be condemned forgive and you shall be forgiven Mark chapter 11 and verse number 25 Jesus said when you stand praying forgive if you have aught against anyone Amen. that your father also which is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses and he goes on to say in verse 26 if you do not forgive neither will your father which is in heaven forgive you how many of you need forgiveness this morning then we need to follow his example and have a forgiving heart to others that have injured us and others that have done us wrong mm. how often should we pray these things Jesus said that we are daily to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What I'm saying this morning is that Jesus practiced what he preached. He died just as he had lived. He died filled with forgiveness to all that will call upon his name. And I want you to understand this morning that if you come to him with a humble heart and confess your sin... He will be faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Mm. Hallelujah. 
He lived forgiveness. But when he died, his final words were a demonstration that he forgave them. He was a man of forgiveness. How does that affect us? Well, let me just tell you this morning, if you harbor bitterness in your heart, it will not affect those that mistreated you but it will affect your soul, your spirit. So don't let it attach itself to you. Be forgiving. Jesus and his disciples were walking along one day and Peter asked this question. He said, how, how oft should I forgive my brother? I, I want you to understand what Peter was asking. He was saying, shall I forgive my brother over and over and over and over again? How often should I forgive those who walk on my toes? Anybody ever had any individual that just kind of walked on your feelings? Uh-huh. And Jesus, this is what he said. He said, seven times 70. And really what he was saying in the Greek is just simply have a forgiving heart, Peter. Just simply always have a forgiving spirit. How many of you know we as individuals often want to keep score in the game? Two for them and I'll get even. Hello? <laughs> uh-huh. No, 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 no. We need forgiveness so freely. We have received. Let's freely give it. And Christ was our example of that. On his deathbed, on the cross, he knows that the life of flesh is seeping from his body. And on his deathbed, his final words are, God, forgive them. They don't even know what they do. Lord, help me to be that kind of man of forgiveness. How about you? Lord, help me be that kind of man who has a forgiving heart. Let me move on. We got seven of them to cover. He was a man of mission. Number two, he was a man of mission. Look in Luke chapter 23 and verse 29 or 39. He was a man of mission. One of the male factors, 39, verse 39, one of the male factors, one of the thieves which were hanged there on his side railed against him saying, if you are the Christ, then come down, save yourself and us. And the other thief on the other side rebuked him saying, do you not fear God seeing that we are in the same condemnation? Amen. And we are in this condemnation indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then that thief said, Lord, in verse number 42, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom and listen to the words of Jesus because they reveal to us that he was still a man on a mission. He said unto him, Verily, I say unto you, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Think about that for a moment this morning. Even while he is in excruciating pain, amen, and he must have felt the pain coursing through his body, he is still focused on his mission. He is still focused upon saving souls, and he is still focused upon the needs of somebody else. Hmm. It would have been all too easy for him to become self-centered, self-focused, focused on his pain and focused on his heartache. Amen. Jesus remembered what he was all about and what his mission was even to his last breath. 
He was living out his purpose. He was living out his mission. How many of you remember the story when Jesus was just a child and his father and mother left Jerusalem? And you'll find it in Luke chapter 2. But Mary and Joseph had left Jerusalem and they supposed that Jesus was in the company of their relatives or some of the family. They got three days journey out away from Jerusalem and all of a sudden realized that Jesus wasn't there. Where was he? They returned back to Jerusalem and you know where they found him? The Bible said they were. They found him in the temple questioning the scholars and giving them answers. And the Bible said when his mother and father said, why have you dealt with us like this? We've sought you. We've sought after you for three days. And Jesus said these words. Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? So from his youth to the cross... He is mission focused. I have one purpose. I have one mission. I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Mm. Amen. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his mission. And even on the cross... Rather than being focused on his own need or his own pain, he is still focused on the mission. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I don't know about you this morning, amen, but sometimes if we are not careful, we will allow the cares of this life to become such a burden in our lives and we will allow the cares of our own hardships to become such a burden in our life that we fail to remember that we too are on a mission, that we too have been bought with a price and that we have been sent into the labor field and we have been bought to work for the Lord Jesus Christ mm. amen we need to be focused as Jesus was he was a man of mission how do you find the strength to keep moving forward amen it's not about me it's not about you it's about the mission how many, now I'm dating myself here, but how many of you remember the old, uh, you know, the old uh, television show, you know, the Mission Impossible? Your mission, if you choose to accept it. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I have chosen to accept the mission. I made up my mind a long time ago. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I chose to take on the mission. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, the mission is much bigger than me. The mission is about the kingdom of God and about bringing others under the knowledge of the saving grace of our Christ. Mm. Amen, amen, amen. When we started Elevation Worship Center, we named it Elevation Worship Center for a reason. Because our mission is to elevate Jesus Christ. Our mission statement declares that we exist to elevate the name of Jesus through worship and community outreach. We exist to elevate the body of Christ through biblical teaching and preaching. We exist to elevate the believer through discipleship and through fellowship. We exist, amen, for one purpose, to elevate the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ in every Everything that we say and in everything that we do, I want him to have the preeminence. Hmm. Amen. Even as he died, he was still focused on his mission. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Number three, look in Matthew's gospel, chapter 27. Number three. He was a man of communion. A man of communion. Now when we say the word communion, we automatically think of the cup and the bread. That's not the kind of communion I'm talking about. He was a man that was connected and communed with his father. The two were one. 
They had become one. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 45. From the cross, he reveals to us that he is a man of communion. Matthew 27, verse number 45. The Bible said, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land unto the ninth hour. Understand that the scripture is saying that from six or from 12 o'clock noon unto three o'clock in the afternoon, there was pitch darkness over this. The, the Jewish day began at six o'clock. And so when he says uh, from the sixth hour, he's talking about from 12 o'clock noon unto three o'clock in the afternoon when the Passover lamb would be slain. He said there was darkness uh, over all of the land uh, and Jesus cried with a loud voice uh, saying, Eli, Eli, lava shabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Amen. Please understand that it was at that moment. The hour had come when the sin of the world would be placed upon the son of God. The sins of your life and my life, 700 years prior to the event of the cross, the prophet Isaiah would prophesy in Isaiah chapter 53 in verse number four, surely he, Jesus, surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. And he goes on to say, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Verse 6 said, all we like sheep have gone astray. And every one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord, God the Father, the Lord has laid on him Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. When did that happen? On the cross. Amen. On the cross. And when that sin of the world was laid upon the Son, God removed his communion. God the Father removed his communion and his fellowship from the Son. Why? Because where God is, sin cannot exist. Amen. And where sin exists, the presence of God is not there. You hear what I'm saying this morning? God turned his face away from the Son, and the Son and the Father were now separated. And Jesus said, My God, my God, why? Hast thou forsaken me? What does it reveal? It means that he was a man that was accustomed to having the presence of the living God in his life. He was accustomed to being connected with God. I submit to you this morning that the greatest pain that Jesus suffered on the cross was not the crown of thorns. That the greatest pain that he suffered was not the nails that were driven through his feet and through his hands. But I submit to you this morning that the greatest pain that he experienced was being separated from his father. Yes, I'm sure the physical pain was excruciating. But the spiritual pain of being separated from his father, amen, was more than he could bear. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was a man of communion. For all eternity, the Father and the Son had been one together. But at that moment and at that time, the Son understood the unbearable pain of being separated from God. Now you want to hear what the tragedy is? To our shame, all too often, we live comfortably in that kind of separation ourselves. Hello? 
And you can all sit up in here and look at me like you were John the Baptist and you have no idea what I'm talking about. But you just, you know, I mean, to yourself, you can be honest, but you can just know that there are times in our lives when we begin cold, we become cold in our spirit toward God. We become, we become distant and separated from the Lord, our Father. We become indifferent toward God and we begin to drift away. And all too often we are comfortable in that condition. Well, I want you to understand this morning, Jesus teaches us uh, that he was not only a man of forgiveness uh, and a man of mission, but that he was a man of communion. And I want you to know this morning that when we become uh, cold and indifferent toward God, we need to shake ourselves uh, and wake ourselves uh, and realize that we need to turn back to the Lord and get close uh, unto the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Number four. Again, Luke chapter 23, verse 44. Luke chapter 23, verse number 44. Jesus reveals to us that he is a man of submission. A man of submission. Luke chapter 23, verse number 44. The scripture said this, and it was about the sixth hour. Noon, and there was darkness over all the earth until three o'clock, the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil in the temple was rent in the midst. And Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Even with his last breath, Jesus remained in submission to the will of God. Into your hands I commend my spirit. What does it say to us? This morning I believe uh, that it says to us uh, that Jesus totally and completely and fully trusted in the Father. And he was willing to submit to the Father's plan. I'll tell you this morning, we need to be willing to do the same thing. Willing to submit our lives Submit everything that we have, everything that we are, so that we might fulfill the purpose uh, that God has for each one of us. Hmm. His faith demonstrates that he had the kind of faith that we should have. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. The fifth thing. He was a man of compassion. I'm trying to hurry along. I'm looking at the clock. He was a man of compassion. Look in John chapter 19. Chapter 19, verse number 25. The fifth thing that is revealed from the words of the cross is that Jesus was a man of compassion. Chapter 19, verse number 25, the Bible says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his uh, mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour forward, from that hour forward, that disciple took her into his own home. He was a man of compassion, even from the cross. Amen. He knew that his mother would be brokenhearted. He knew that his mother would need someone to care for her and someone to meet her needs. And even in his time of need, he had compassion toward her. Amen. In so much that he made arrangements for her to be taken care of even from the cross 
He was a man of compassion. Beloved, I believe that it teaches us that we should have a tender compassion toward others. That we should have a tender heart toward others. Let me give you a scripture this morning from the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 8. This is what Peter tells us. He says, finally, be ye like-minded, be compassionate, be loving as brethren, be tender-hearted, and be humble-minded. That's how we should live. Because that's how our Savior was. He was a man of forgiveness, a man of mission, a man of communion, a man of submission, and a man of compassion. And number six, he was a man of humanity. Now, you may not think that's really all that important, but I want you to understand that it really is. He was a man of humanity. Look at John 19, 28. Jesus says, knowing after all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. I thirst. We must never forget that Jesus was just as much human as he was divine. Hello? We must never forget that he was just as much human or flesh as he was divine. We must never forget that the eternal word of God became flesh. The Bible said in John chapter 1 and verse number 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. And then the Bible said in verse 14, the Word who was with God and was God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What happened? The eternal Word of God, who was God and was with God, stepped into a robe of flesh and stepped down to this earth so that he could walk a mile in our shoes and know how we feel walking it. Hmm. He was just as much man as he was God. On his mother's side, he was flesh. On his father's side, he was divine. Hello? Now listen to what Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15 says. Because he was a man of human, a human or that he was uh, in human form. He became thirsty. He was a man with real needs and real pain. And he was tempted and tested in every way like we are. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15 says these words. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But he was in all points tempted like as we are. Yet he was without sin. So let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of our need. What the writer is saying is that Jesus came to this earth. He walked a mile in our shoes and he has experienced what it is to live this life in the flesh because he too became flesh. What does it mean when the rubber hits the road? It means that he knows how you feel when you are tempted. He knows how you feel when you are tested and tried. He knows how you feel when when you feel lonely and abandoned. He knows how you feel when you feel mistreated and hurt. And he knows how you feel when you've been rejected and despised. And because he knows how you feel, he is able to minister unto our need. Mm. Keep in mind this morning that the Bible often calls Jesus both the Son of God and the Son of Man. Hello? The Son of God refers to His divinity. 
the Son of Man refers to his humanity. Are you following me this morning? And let me just put it this way. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men might become the sons of God. Glory to God. That's enough to make a Lutheran go, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. What does it mean? It means that he has experienced life. What does his experience teach us? It tells us that we may be in this earthen vessel, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, like he, we can too overcome in him. Jesus said, because I have overcome, you can overcome as well. Hallelujah. Be of good cheer, he said. I have overcome this world. He was a man of humanity, a man of forgiveness, a man of mission, a man of communion, a man of submission, a man of compassion, and a man of humanity. And finally, he was a man of destiny. He was a man of destiny. Look at, look at John 19 and verse number 30. He was a man of destiny. He says in John 19 and verse number 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said three words that rocked hell. It is finished. He was a man of destiny. How do you get that out of that, Pastor Gary? Well, let me just tell you this morning, he knew that his work had been accomplished. He knew that his work had been finished and that his destiny had been fulfilled. Let me just tell you this morning that a person can only say it is finished if they know where they're going. Right? You can only know where you, you can only know you've arrived if you know where you're headed. You can only say it is finished if you know where the finish line is. You can only say it is finished if you, if you know where you're supposed to wind up. Amen. You can, you can not know or you cannot know you have arrived if you don't know where you're going. But if you know where you're going, when you get there, you can say, I've arrived. Jesus, when he got there, he said, it is finished. This is where I've been headed all along. I've come to, I've come to upset the enemy's kingdom. I've come to finish the old covenant and the law and the prophets. It is finished. I've come to do a whole new thing. Amen. I've come to establish a whole new covenant. Upon better promises, upon better blood. Amen. I've come to establish a whole new covenant. It is finished. Jesus understood his destiny. He understood the destiny that he faced. And he entered into it in total faith and in total willingness as unto the Lord. Like Paul who said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. Amen. I'm going to tell you something this morning. There's a starting point and there's an ending point. And God wants us to run the race uh, faithfully from the beginning until the end. Mm. He was a man of destiny and he knew when he had reached his purpose and he knew he had fulfilled the destiny of his father. Amen. I want you to understand this morning that each and every one of us have a divine purpose in God. Each one of us have a divine mission to fulfill. 
God has a divine purpose and a divine destiny for each one of us. We have been called into the kingdom for such a time as this, this morning. We have been called into the kingdom for a particular work. You can't do my work. And the other news is I can't do your work. But if we all pull together and we all do our part, how happy we'll be and the kingdom of God will be blessed and the kingdom of God will be furthered by our faithfulness. Amen. Final words, final words. Final words reveal that he was a man of forgiveness. What does it teach us that we need to be forgiving as well? We need to be forgiving as well. He was a man of mission. And we should be about our father's mission as well. He was a man of communion. And we need to be individuals of communion with God as well. And when we begin to get cold in our spirit and cold in our soul and begin to drift away from the Lord, hey, I'm going to tell you something. We need to pick ourselves up by the nap of the neck and get ourselves put back at the foot of the cross and get shook up, woke up, and get changed and back on fire for the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen, a man of communion, and we should be too. He was a man who was submitted to the will of God. We need to be submitted, willing, and obedient to do the will of our God. He was a man that lived with compassion. Oftentimes, the scripture teaches us that he saw the multitudes and the crowds, and the Bible said that he had compassion upon them. Because they were sheep without a shepherd. He saw their need and he had compassion toward them. We need to be that kind of people. We need to not be so wrapped up in our own thing that we can't take the time to be compassionate to others. He was a man of humanity. There's no doubt in my mind that we are all in the flesh this morning. If you think that you are just really, really super spiritual, pinch your arm really hard and we'll hear you holler out and we'll know you're still living in the flesh, right? We are all humanity. We are all in this flesh. But the good news is, is that we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And because he overcome, we can overcome in him. He was a man of destiny. And the final words that he spoke proved that he fulfilled his destiny. One of the most frustrating things I think that we could ever encounter is to wind up on our deathbed or wind up in the end saying, what if? What if we had only done this or done that or what if let me just tell you this morning you don't have to go out wondering what if you can go out saying it is finished I have fought a good fight I have kept the faith I have run my course I know where God wanted me to start it and hey I know where he wanted me to end up and I reached the ending point what a joy to go out that way What a joy to go out that way. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to fulfill the destiny that God has for me as an individual. I want to see you reach your destiny and your divine mission. And I want to see Elevation Worship Center as a corporate body reach the destiny that God has called us to be in this community. That we are a light where people see the glory and the blessing of God and the power and the favor of God and know that he lives Hmm. I want us all of us individually to corporately to reach our destiny bow your heads please this morning the final words of Jesus from the cross reveal 
to us so many things about his character who he was and how he lived and how he intends for us to live heads bowed eyes closed heavenly father I thank you for the example of my savior Jesus I thank you for the example that even on the cross he was teaching and instructing and giving us an example that we might follow. I thank you today, O oh Father, for the blessed Holy Spirit that has spoken the words to our heart today. Help us not to be satisfied with status quo, but help us to be an individual of submission and communion and destiny and purpose. And oh God, stir our hearts to be more like Jesus. Stir our hearts to be more like him. Help us to follow that divine, godly example. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll take the words of this message and touch our hearts with it this morning. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. How many of you here this morning would be willing to lift up your hand and say, Oh, Lord God, help me to follow your example. Help me to follow your example. Hands lifted all over the building. That should be the cry of every heart. Lord, help me to follow your example. Help me to be more and more and more like Jesus. Hmm. Stand to your feet. They're going to play in just a moment. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you for the word of the living God. I thank you for receptive hearts. Touch our lives today. Lord, in, 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 in these seven different areas, if we find that we have not been following the example of Christ, maybe we haven't been as compassionate as we should. Maybe we've not communed with you as we should. Maybe we've not, not been so focused on our mission or maybe we have been rebellious and we've not been submitted. Whatever the, whatever the case may be, Lord, I pray right now, this morning, that you will have mercy upon us and that you will help us to follow the example of our Savior. And for every hand that was lifted this morning, Lord, that said, I want to follow that example, I pray, oh God, that you would empower your people by the anointing of your Holy Spirit to not only see the truth, but to be able to walk in that truth. Touch our hearts. As we leave here today, oh Lord, I pray that you would touch our hearts and elevate and lift us up as we leave this house to elevate and lift up the Lord through the remainder of this week. Let our lives be a witness and an example of a living Christ who lives and resides in our changed lives. And we ask these things, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.